It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Well, Democrats are finding themselves in a bind with inflation at its highest level in 30 years. Supply chain issues, of course, the pandemic, uh, Virginia's governor's race that was lost in part on issues like education. But as you look at all of that messaging, uh, it is a messaging issue. There, There is a, a challenge, I think, for any administration, whether it's Democrats or Republicans, to try to square the circle of what's the vision, what's the objective, what's the policy goal, what's what's the big idea, and what's the reality on the ground? I think the area where the Biden administration has struggled the most is that they have not been able to square that circle uh, because they have been talking about things in a way that just isn't congruent with what American citizens and American families are feeling and experiencing every single day. Uh, yesterday, for example, uh, President Joe Biden was in New Hampshire, uh, taking a bit of a victory lap on his on uh, the really the one point two trillion dollar uh, bipartisan infrastructure deal that was passed that he signed into law yesterday. And as he did that, uh, he made the statement that your life will be better today because of this bill. Your life is going to be better today because of this bill. Uh, that's a that's a big, bold claim. And most Americans, I'm sure, before they went to bed last night, might have been wondering, I don't know that my life is is bigger and better as a result of that bill being signed into law today. Uh, we're really pleased to have joining us back on the program, Dana Perino. Of course, she's co-anchor of America's Newsroom. She co-hosts that and uh, is also a co-host of The Five on the Fox News Channel. Previously, she served as the White House Press Secretary during the George W. Bush administration. Dana, welcome back. Thanks. I'm so sorry. I was a little, I was a little bit late <laughs> calling in, and I apologize for that, but I am here. No I'm worries. Here uh, we, we know you got a few things going on in I'm your world. I'm usually never late, so now I have like such anxiety that I did something wrong, and I'm not going to get a gold star on my chart on the refrigerator. Uh, uh, you know, we have a supply of those, uh, but it, but it's stuck in the port somewhere or in a congressional right, hearing okay. somewhere. So. so I'll take a pass this time around. Uh, well, Dana, I wanted to How pick you. How are you guys doing out there? We're, we're doing great. Uh, our state actually has a budget service plus uh, and uh, has paid down debt and has a great rainy day fund and uh, still has a lot of other things it can do. It's not taking the bait of one-time money. Uh, so fiscally, we're doing pretty well out here, which is making the economy hum. And uh, Dana, I wanted, to pick, I wanted to pick your brain on a couple of things. One of the things that we have seen, and you've experienced this, is how do you balance uh, in an administration the kind of the big vision, the positive uh, messaging that you want the president to be making out there. And sometimes it just seems to go too far to where it's no longer congruent 
with what the American people are feeling. We heard President Biden say yesterday that your life will be better today, uh, today because of the the infrastructure bill. And most Americans are saying inflation is still really high. Gas prices are crazy. I can't buy that much from the grocery store. So how do you do that from a, just from a communication strategy standpoint? Well, I think that's very difficult, Boyd, because it really does come from the top. And the communicators can't be blamed for bad policy. That's not, that's not the communicator's fault, right? right? So to me, the messaging and everything comes from the top and the instincts of the commander-in-chief. Mm. Um, and whenever I used to hear people say, oh, they have a communications problem, I would point out, no, we have a fact problem. <laughs> and if we have a fact problem, that means that we, you know, we can fix the communications. Um, now, that might be different when I talk about COVID. I do think communications-wise, sure. the facts were there and they communicated them wrong. Mm. But in this instance, I don't know what Jen Psaki could say that would improve things if the president's not going to change course. Yeah. Like, if they are hell-bent on saying that this bill, Build Back Better, is not going to cost a dime. Right. Which is just such <laughs> insanity and nonsense for anyone that knows anything about economics. I mean, I, I loved my um, high school economics teacher. I remember this class like it was yesterday, the first day, and I, was just, I loved the logic and everything. I thought, oh, my gosh, this is fantastic. And... Most people are like that. You usually love your first economics class because everything starts to make sense. And everything that they're saying is not making sense. And mm. most people around the country are saying, do they think we're stupid? Yeah. Because we know what we're dealing with here. I also think that there's a little bit of a situation where you have to look at a place like, for example, in Europe. They are also experiencing inflation. Yeah. One of the things that the White House might be able to do better is to talk about how – no one president or leader can be blamed for inflation that started, you know, six months ago. Right. The Republicans, I think, have more of a burden of proof right now yeah. to explain how the Biden policies are leading to inflation. They could talk about the energy prices, right? Mm -hmm. There were energy decisions that were made on the first day of the administration, which chilled investment, which curtailed domestic production and has hurt this country by rising gas prices as well as heating oil and natural gas. You, they could make that argument, and they should. Yeah, I think that they need to do a little bit better job on, on talking about how the Biden policies specifically have led to this moment. Yeah, and let's dig into that just a little bit. I wanted to get uh, your take on where the Republicans go with this from a messaging standpoint. You mentioned the, the energy policy, and rather than uh, pointing fingers at uh, our own energy companies and, and then begging OPEC to, to fix it with uh, energy that will be far dirtier and far more harmful to the environment, uh, what are some of the things that the Republicans who, who do seem to have this uh, great ability to snatch defeat from uh -huh, the jaws yeah. of victory. Yeah. <laughs> what, what else should they be communicating? I don't think it's going to happen in 2022. I really don't. Mm. Um, I think that if you are thinking about running as a Republican, this is your time. There will be no better year in your lifetime to be a Republican to run. And in fact, I don't know if you saw that the senior senator from Vermont, Patrick Leahy, yes. who's been there forever, yeah. he just announced he will not be running again. And if you're a Republican in Vermont, and they, they have many. And, in fact, their governor is a Republican. Right. Um, you should run because the mood of the country all across the board is very much against the Democrats right now. And there's a piece by Tom Edsel. He's a political analyst, yeah. and he writes in the New York Times. Today he says um, 
He says the Democrats should not just be worried. They should be in shock about how quickly everything turned on them. So I think that the Republicans are doing a pretty good job, but partly that's because the Biden White House is making it very easy for them. Yeah, a lot of easy pickings there and uh, (laughs) a lot of shock. And then, of course, it does come down to uh, if you're on the Republican side, it does uh, matter what kind of candidates you put forward. Sure. uh, In in terms of those things, you look at a a place like uh, Pat Leahy stepping down. And, of course, there's a Mm -hmm. a number of others uh, that are uh, looking to exit. And uh, as you look at that, uh, again, looking at candidates with a message that can uh, connect and resonate uh, positively with the American people? What do you see out there? Well, I think one good example is Glenn Youngkin of Virginia. And not to put the um, burden of responsibility for election uh, victories for Republicans all on his shoulders, uh, he focused relentlessly on the issues. He did not let himself get dragged into the um, Trump world. You know, they, the, the, the Democratic opponents of Glenn Youngkin tried to just make him seem like a Trump clone and the voters just were not buying it. And they really wanted to focus on the issues, COVID, but also schools. And it wasn't just critical race theory. It was the fact that schools in Virginia were closed for a ridiculous amount of time during COVID. And parents were fed up. If you look at the exit polls, 71% of voters that had children in the ages of K through 12 school, Mm -hmm. they voted for Glenn Youngkin. So it's remarkable to watch the Republicans snatch education right. away from the Democrats as the issue. So there are parents everywhere in every school across every <laughs> every um, state across this country. That's a very good issue. The other thing is, what, what else did Glenn Young can focus on? He promised to repeal the grocery tax. Mm. Now you're talking real dollars yeah. um, at the kitchen table. That made a big difference. And he also ran a campaign where he kind of got made fun of for it, but he teaches, coaches his um, kids' basketball team. And they ran ads of footage of him coaching the basketball team constantly everywhere. And some consultants were telling him, gosh, this is like really over the top. People are sick of it. <laughs> but his instincts were to say, no, this helps me connect with my fellow Virginians. They understand this. So his win is a really good one. But, boy, this is really important. He did not have the kind of primary that many other candidates are going to face in their states. So Virginia has a different system. They have right. a convention. Yep. And the convention was basically wired so that the farther right candidates didn't really have a chance. So he became the Republican candidate there, and then he was able to win. Had somebody else um, won that primary and didn't run the kind of campaign that Glenn Youngkin did, yeah. uh, the Republicans might not have won in that state. So that's just something to keep in mind as you look yeah. at other candidates across the country. Uh, so important. And, and as always, it's a. I thought one of the other things he did very well that uh, Terry McAuliffe did very poorly uh, was he fought the next war, not the last war. Uh, and I do think for Republicans, they've got to be careful not to fight the last war, uh, because as we know, uh, between now and next November is a, is a lifetime of lifetimes uh, in politics. And uh, so there's a, a much, much more uh, to come on that as we move along. Dana Perino, our friend from The Five on Fox News Channel, American Newsroom and former House uh, White House press secretary to George W. Bush. Uh, Dana, thanks so much for joining us today. Always appreciate your perspective. I love you guys. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks, Dana. All the best. Bye. All right, we'll step aside for a quick uh, commercial break. When we come back, we'll break down some of those numbers, some of those things that Dana Perino was talking about in terms of connecting with the American people. Was Bill Clinton right? Is it just the economy, stupid? We'll find out. Coming up next. 
few years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.